2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. The Jets just finished this little process we like to call the NFL draft, and now they've got a bunch of prospects in house that they picked. During the selection process, wanted to know a little bit about the injury histories of these players because we heard about some of the late round picks and how they've had some injury issues, and even some of the early picks. There are some things that we want to know. Talking about guys like Quinn and Williams, who had an injury recently, had surgery. Wanted to know the extent of how that might be a problem or not a problem. So. Being that I'm not a doctor, I figured I would call one that I know and get him to come on and talk about his area of expertise, which is sports injuries. So he's going to talk about all the players the Jets picked and discuss whether or not this should be an area of concern for Jets fans. He's been on the show before. Of course, we talked about Le'Veon Bell and his injury history and the other Jets free agents. He did such a great job and people loved it so much that he's back again. Dr. Steven Stoller, 35-year orthopedic surgeon. Dr. Stoller, thanks for coming back on, man. Oh,
3: it's great to be on the show again, Scott. And I was listening to your podcast yesterday, and I was intrigued with the idea of having Peyton Manning as general manager. And the first thing that came to mind was having uh, Peyton Manning and Adam Gase in a uh, trailer doing a nationwide commercial
0: <laughs> that's kind of the thing with peyton manning now is i feel like 20 years from now people that didn't get a chance to watch him play are only going to know him as the nationwide guy
3: Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> to give you my, my my son when he was seven years old went to joe namath camp and at the time namath was doing uh commercials from uh, uh you know like like a Best Buy or one of those companies for electronics and my son gets picked out out of the group and he's Namath is showing my son how to throw a football and you know how to do the footwork and I go up to my son and I'm like dying and like it's so great that Namath has picked my son and showed him this so I go up to my son, I go, Brandon, are you going to do this when you get back to, you know, Pee Wee's? And he goes, nah, what does he know?
0: <laughs> you mean that guy limping? What do I need yeah. to listen to yeah. him for? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. yeah.
0: A whole generation of football fans will never know how great some of these guys were. We can only hope that Sam Darnold one day is carrying around the Lombardi Trophy the way that Joe Namath did after Super Bowl three. and if that's going to happen, he's going to need to rely on some of the key pieces from this 2019 draft class, so let's get into the injury histories with these guys. The only major injury that we could find with the number 3 overall pick Quentin Williams, the defensive lineman out of Alabama, is that he was suffering from a finger injury that required surgery. That's why he didn't lift at the combine. What do we know about that doc and what kind of impact it could have on him?
3: Well, the finger injury doesn't appear to be serious. I mean, there's nothing specific on it, but you have to assume by the way he played um, in spite of this injury that he was extremely productive. So the surgery was performed after the combine and being that it wasn't performed during his uh, playing time and it didn't interrupt his playing time that it wouldn't be a fracture because that would have to be attended to uh, right away so most likely he had a ligament reconstruction on one of his fingers and i expect that he should be fine for training camp
1: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons
0: It seems like it's an injury that would have been a red flag if it was actually anything to worry about. And you're backing that up right now by saying that there really shouldn't be anything to this. It was really a relatively minor surgery.
3: Yes. And he, you know, he was examined by you know, medical staffs at the Combine. And so if it was something serious, they would have had a red flag.
0: Let's talk about Ja'Kai Polite now. He was the third-round pick at number 68 overall. The defensive end-slash-outside linebacker out of Florida. We know what he can do on film. We know why he fell. There were questions about his character as far as interviews and even combine performance. When we look at his medical history... We saw that he had his freshman year ended because of shoulder injury. And then we get to the combine where there was talk that he pulled a hamstring. We don't know for sure. There are teams that think that he might have been making that up to excuse a poor performance. But I want to ask you. A about the shoulder injury, and B, if you could talk to me about exactly how a pulled hamstring could affect a guy, could it theoretically cause him to have put on that weight, and then obviously it would have slowed him down in some way? Exactly how would that have worked?
3: Well, let's go start with his shoulder injury. So, shoulder injury occurred in his freshman year, but you know, looking at his highlight films, you know, subsequently. Um, I don't think that it hampered him at all. So I don't think that that's really an issue. As far as a hamstring strain goes, that could be a very painful and um, debilitating injury. And it usually requires time to heal. It's a slow e- healing injury. So um, would it affect his performance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it would be very difficult for him to you know, run full speed um, due to weakness and pain. Uh, So I I believe that could have caused uh, problems for the combine. As far as weight gain, uh, no, I don't think that really should contribute at all. I mean, you'd have to have your diet and you could do other, you know, aerobic exercises to help keep your uh, weight under control.
0: Sounds like he needs a dietitian, and I hope that the Jets provide him with one, and Chuma Adoga is one that may need a dietitian to help him gain weight, because one of the knocks on him is that he's a little bit undersized for an NFL tackle, had a little bit of injury issues there. After his freshman season, he had wrist surgery, and then he came back and played effectively, And then a couple seasons later, he missed a couple of games for a sprained ankle. Doc, talk to me about how serious this would be. Are these injuries that could hamper him at all going forward?
3: Well, you know, it's hard to know specifically what wrist surgery had, but apparently it was in his freshman year and he recovered well based on his highlight tapes. So I don't think that that should bother him in the future. You know, as far as an ankle sprain, unless it's a high ankle sprain, uh, it shouldn't give him any problems in the future. You know, it's a common injury if treated you know, properly, which I'm sure it was, then, you know, he should be fine.
1: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: Tell me a little bit about the high ankle sprain, because I think a lot of people don't understand the distinction. If it was a high ankle sprain, why would it be so much more serious?
3: The, a, a typical ankle sprain occurs with the bones below the ankle that give it the stability. A high ankle sprain is if you think of your lower leg, you have two bones. You have one thinner bone and one thicker bone, which is the tibia. And what holds both those bones together is a ligament that runs from your ankle all the way up to your knee. So when you have a high ankle sprain, that um, is, injures the, that particular ligament. So it's harder for to heal, and it's a more significant uh, ligament. Now, if you know treated um, right away, Um, it shouldn't have any problems in the future, but it does require a much longer time for it to heal. Now, when Alabama played um, Clemson in the uh, finals, uh, Tua had a high ankle sprain, and at least when I watched it on television, they showed a procedure that was performed on him that they said was only done by the Alabama medical staff and allowed him to return, I think in three to four weeks. And essentially what they did is they put in an internal splint. So that allowed him to return much earlier and it protected the ligament um, while he was playing. Uh, The only thing I found somewhat amusing to that is that procedure I had performed over the last 10 years. So it's, as well as, you know, other physicians around the country. So it really isn't anything new. Um, And I'm surprised it's not utilized more often, but if you allow the ligament to heal conservatively without the splint, they will do fine.
0: Let's move on to the fourth round now. This is where things start to get a little controversial, although not for the medical necessarily. That's when the fifth round popped up, and we're going to get to that. But first, Trayvon Wesco, the tight end from West Virginia, we did find that his sophomore season he had to redshirt because of a knee injury. How worried do you think the Jets should be about that?
3: Well, it, it, the knee. It, there's nothing specific about the knee injury, but you know that he had his sophomore year. And again, looking at his highlight tapes in his junior and senior year, that he was fine. So I don't think that it was a significant injury. Um, It didn't require surgery. So I think his prognosis is good.
1: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: Now we get to the juicy part because these are the picks that a lot of people were questioning because of all the medical red flags. Blake Cashman, the linebacker from Minnesota, multiple shoulder surgeries. Doc, talk to me about this pick. When it happened, you texted me and told me that this was worrisome to you and so was Blessing Austin who was picked in the sixth round. We're going to get to him next. But tell me why you think the Jets should be worried about this pick of Blake Cashman.
3: Well, you know, I watched the Highlights film on Blake Cashman, and I know that he had um, surgery on his right shoulder and two on his left shoulder. And I have to presume that it was due to instability since he is seen wearing a shoulder harness while he was playing, sometimes on his right and a few times on his left. And what the shoulder harness looks like, it looks like a blood pressure cuff on the upper arm, and it's attached to the shoulder pads. And what this does is it prevents the range of motion that stresses the, the shoulder in its weakest position. And that position is um, in a throwing position with your arm uh, lifted up and your hand behind your head. So once you have this on, it prevents you from uh, getting into that position. So, you know, I did see him play with that, so I presume that he had uh, shoulder Surgery to repair instability in the shoulder. Now, the general results of that are usually very good if you allow the ligaments time to heal, which is a six month period of time. Um, and being that he's not a throwing act, uh, athlete, that it's even better. Um, the biggest concern to me is why did he have the second surgery on his left shoulder? So that would be my only concern. Now, um The same surgery was also performed on uh, Chad Pennington, but you know, being a throwing athlete, it's a little bit more difficult to recover from that. But at the same time, uh, Drew Brees had a much more serious injury where he injured the ligaments in the front and back of his shoulder, and all of them were reconstructed. and you know, I don't that's when he left San Diego. Uh, and I don't have to tell you you know, how he's functioning now, probably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, which, by the way, the Miami Dolphins chose to select Dante Culpepper after a knee surgery instead of uh, Drew Brees due to the severity of his injury. So, uh, you know, sometimes players do better than you would even expect, and he is certainly one of them. So, I think that um, Blake Cashman, you know, depending on what he had his second surgery on for his left shoulder, um, in his position, he should be fine.
0: Is there a real possibility that that same shoulder could get hurt again? In other words, because it's been hurt twice fairly severely, does that really increase the risk of it happening again a third time? You know,
3: the risk would depend on the, you know, injuries that he had in addition to the ligaments. You know, if there was any um, bone injuries in the socket or any bone injuries in the, the head of the humerus, then that would make the uh, reconstruction more difficult and make the results, you know, uh, more uh, tenuous. So if those are present, I would think yes. And if they're not, then I think that you should do fine. But... You know, you do have to have some concern of why he had a second surgery on his left shoulder. You know, maybe the ligaments had to be uh, repaired again. You know, if that's the case, I'd be more concerned. But again, we don't know. So that's a question mark there.
0: And with both shoulders, you'd have to worry about possible surgeries on either one, maybe throwing off the equilibrium or no, that wouldn't be any kind of concern.
3: No, uh, I think, that, you know, in his position, it should be fine. And I think if there's any concern, they could, you know, utilize the shoulder harness, which, you know, he's also already accustomed to wearing. So and, and you see several NFL players wearing this shoulder harness for, you know, reasons similar. So if you wanted to be extra cautious, you could put him in that if necessary. And if he doesn't need it, then that's even better.
1: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
0: Let's talk about Blessin' Austin, who was the final pick for the Jets in the sixth round. A lot of medical issues with him. Two blown ACLs on the same ACL, actually. Tell me about what that could do to a player, especially somebody who plays a position like cornerback.
3: Well, I think any football player, you know, an ACL injury is significant. However, due to technical advances, um, almost all the players return to sports, um, it's almost commonplace, you know. It's it is commonplace for them to return to their uh, usual activity. Uh, there was a time, you know, decades ago, when an ACL meant the end of someone's career, but it's no longer that, and they do very well. However, an ACL reverse revision surgery is associated with significantly inferior results compared to primary surgery, meaning the first time. And return to sports is not recommended for at least a year. And the results range from 59 to 83% uh, for an athlete to return to sports. So second surgery is technically demanding. We also don't know what happened in Austin's case is when he re-injured his knee Um, was it due to the fact that it was just due to the injury? Was it due to the fact that the ligament uh, was not fully healed or to, you know, technical uh, problems or a combination of all three? We also don't know what other structures might have been injured with a second injury. So if it's just, you know, an ACL, then we can discuss, you know, what was done and the consequences of that. But he may. there is a possibility that he also may have injured the meniscus, other ligaments, or the articular cartilage in his knee. And that would make the prognosis um, not as good. Now, when you, ha- when you operate on the knee for a second time, the first time when you operate on knee to replace the torn anterior cruciate ligament, you have to get tissue from a- another part of the knee. And the most common locations are the hamstring tendons or the patella tendon, which is the tendon that runs from the kneecap to the upper shin or the tibia. And in, in harvesting these grafts, you're taking away a tendon that obviously the body needs, or you we wouldn't have it to begin with. So, you know, there are some problems with you know, taking this kind of tissue, but usually patients will do well after um, sacrificing one or the other. When you have a second surgery, then where do you go to get the tissue? So if you've used the hamstrings, you have to go for the patella tendon. If you use the patella tendon, then you have to go for the hamstrings. And losing both of these increases the chance of post-operative issues. Now, I would say 25% of surgeons would elect to use an allograft, which is a cadaver graft. And that would be my tissue of choice because you're not uh, harvesting another tendon from the knee that's already been compromised. Now, it used to be considered in the past that allografts were weaker uh, tissue due to to the sterilization techniques because coming from another person that you, or a cadaver, you wanna make sure that there is no transmission of any bacteria or viruses. So they used to be irradiated and that would weaken the tendon. However, newer techniques over um, the last decade, sterilize the allografts with a chemical process which doesn't weaken it at all so now you can use a cadaver graft that is larger than the actual acl was originally and it's larger and stronger and doesn't require you to harvest another graft from the same knee so i don't know what procedure was done but um, it really depends on all these issues to determine you know whether or not he's going to return. So there you know the there that's where the you know questions lie. And I don't know what his ceiling is, but you know I do know that his floor you know is very low.
0: So in other words you would say that depending on the depth of the surgery or, like you said, the circumstances around it, what it entailed, there is a significant possibility that he never steps on the football field for the Jets.
3: Yes, that is true. But Galen Smith for the Cowboys was you know, selected in the first round. Um, I believe he had a knee dislocation and he had subsequent nerve damage. Um, and I thought that he would never play again. But... He's playing at a very high level. So, you know, I can't, you certainly can't rule him out.
0: Because in the past, injuries like this would have been an absolute death sentence without question. But nowadays, with the upgrading technology and with the advancement of these procedures, it is possible, even if it's not entirely super likely, that somebody like Austin could actually make a full recovery and become a productive player.
3: Oh yes, I mean, I you know again looking into the literature and you know they're are all different combinations of injuries associated with it, but you know I think statistically you know there's between a fifty nine percent and an eighty three percent chance that he will return.
0: So based on everything we've talked about with all of these prospects, talk to me about what you would have told the Jets. If you were on the medical staff and they came to you with each one of these players, would there have been any positive or negative recommendations that you would have made? Would you have told them, don't draft a person? Would you have said to them that they should absolutely be comfortable drafting certain guys? I know that we talked about the specifics of the injuries, but just brick by brick, take me through how you would have handled this if you were on the medical staff for the Jets during the draft process.
3: Well, you know, I think for Williams, you know, it's a no-brainer. I think he's going to be fine. Um, I really don't think that's, you know, an issue at all. Um, I think with Polite, it would be the same thing. The hamstring will definitely recover, and I think it would probably be in the Jets' best interest now that they have him to, you know, get him into rehab to rehab that hamstring um, injury. Um, As far as... um, Adoga, you know, I don't know what his wrist surgery is again, but you know he did fine. So you know I don't have a problem with you know with, uh, with any of those picks and I would not tell the jets to shy away from him. Wesco um, again, I would give him a clean uh, bill of health. You know, Blake Cashman is a different story. I think if he just had bilateral surgery once, I would say that I wouldn't be concerned, especially at his position. Uh, but I do not know what his le- second left shoulder surgery is, and that could be concerning. So, you know, I, if I was a team physician, I would have access to that information and I could advise them, you know, better. But you know, based on this, it would be a question mark. You know, as far as Austin, um, it would be a big question mark, but, you know, I don't. I don't know what his upside is, and I don't know what the value would be at the sixth round and who else was available you know to them, but I would let them know that there is a chance that he may not play you know at all, and certainly would not play this year.
0: Let's talk about one last thing before you go, Doc, because we were yes. talking before we came on the air about Christopher Herndon, because we were saying about how as you get into the mid and late rounds, you start to take risks on guys. Now, it sounds like, from what you're saying, Blessing Austin is probably too big of a risk to take. Even in the sixth round, maybe you would have signed him as an undrafted free agent.
3: I think so. I think that, you know, I'm not a general manager, but, I you know, I am a fan. I do, you know, follow it. Um, I would would feel more comfortable if he was taken as an undrafted free agent.
0: Right, which has been a common criticism of Mike McCagnin that he takes these guys that are probably better off being signed as undrafted free agents, these guys that are older, maybe they have injury issues, and of course they have limited ceilings, but last year... They grabbed Christopher Herndon, a guy who dropped because of injuries and the fact that due to those injuries, he didn't produce as much at Miami. Also, he was behind David and Joko for a significant portion of his career at Miami. But we were talking before we came on the air about how sometimes people overblow these injuries, and a lot of times they're a lot easier to recover from than people realize. Herndon had that knee injury, and you were telling me that the prognosis was outstanding for it. Can you talk to me a little bit about... That injury with Herndon, why it might have caused him to drop, and why it actually led to the Jets getting what looks like at this point a tremendous bargain in the fourth round.
3: Oh yeah, I mean his injury was uh, to the medial collateral ligament, and um, it, it it heals very well because it's a ligament outside the knee and has a good blood supply, and you know probably ninety percent of the time it doesn't even require surgery, and I I have not seen a patient that I had to deal with that did not return to sports as a result of a medial collateral ligament injury. So the fact that he had surgery on it, I guess it's people alarmed, but the fact that it heals very well and the prognosis is very good. Um, Yeah, I think it was a mistake for teams that passed up on him, and I think it was a, a great pick by the Jets.
0: If you'd been in the draft room at the time, you would have told them 100%, if you like this kid, go ahead and pick him. There's no major risk in picking him from medical perspective.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely, I would have taken him.
0: I hope that he continues to defy his draft position because they recently did a redraft and he was picked number 27 overall. Tremendous value for a guy that they got in the fourth round. And a lot of it, it seems like, is because people just didn't fully understand the depth of Of the knee injury, which was nowhere near as bad as a lot of people may have made it out to be. And that's why you have trained medical professionals like Dr. Steven Stoller, a 35 year orthopedic surgeon. And I'm really glad that he is able to come on the show and enlighten us about these draft picks and about the Jets players in general. Doc, can't wait to have you on on a regular basis when the season starts so you can go through the injury report with me. But in the meantime, I know that you're itching to just talk to your fellow Jets fans about Jets football whether they have medical questions or whether they just want to talk about the players that just got drafted or some stuff going on in camp or whatever it is that's on their mind with the Jets. You're a very passionate Jets fan. So for anybody that wants to talk to you about any of the medical stuff or just shoot the breeze with you Jets-wise, where can they find you?
3: Well, they can find me on Twitter um, as The Aging Athlete, or I guess you can always email me at uh, MD at gmail.com. And I'd be glad to answer uh, any questions that you
0: have. Not too many, though, Doc. you got to save some of the best answers for the podcast. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, and I, you know what? And I do make sure that I do not comment on uh, too many injuries because of that.
0: you got to make sure that all the good stuff comes out on the podcast. So I always tell Chris Nimbley that, too. We joke about that. In fact, the other day we were doing a mailbag and somebody asked a question, and I started to respond to it on Twitter. And then I stopped and said, Nope, got to save it for the podcast. And in fact, there was one where I had responded, and Chris texted me and he said, What are you doing? Got to save it for the podcast. So, Doc, I'm glad that you're thinking that way. And I'm really looking forward to going through injury reports with you when the season gets started coming up in the next couple of months. So go ahead and follow Dr. Stoller on Twitter if you have anything you want to talk about medical wise or just shoot the breeze on the Jets. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.